I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice with the goals to inform you, the American citizen of your constitutional rights, to provide educational occupational guidance to high school and college students and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because today's guests make up the Hayworth Connection. Two of my outstanding former Heartland Community College students who are engaged in a stellar academic college career. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others, Ms. Elizabeth Ellie Luttrell and Mr. Ryan Reddick. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Excited to be oh. here. I must say off the bat that I am really proud of you guys, not because you made me or you have made me and Heartland Community College look really good, which you have, but you have been working your buns off (laughs) and you are having, as I've mentioned, stellar academic careers. And so I... Just want to say that I am really proud of you guys. So how are things going for you? So I would say pretty good. Stressful. We're, I know Ellie's about to graduate here. What month? Uh, yeah, 20, 22 days. I'm counting down. Awesome. Yeah, December. Well, shout out to Hayworth Junior and Senior High School. Love Hayworth Junior and mm-hmm. Senior High School. I think I love Hayworth High School because it reminds me of Crystal City High School, which is a twin city to Festus, where I'm from. Crystal City is also the Hornets, and their colors are also black and red. That's number one. But then number two, Hayward Junior High has an awesome language arts teacher, Sarah Bonner. She invited me and my partner to come to her class on one occasion when her students was reading the book Monster. It was a New York bestseller. Do you guys remember Miss Bonner? Uh, yeah, I remember her. You do? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I, I actually, yeah, I had class with her in eighth grade. You did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. She wasn't sure if you guys would remember her. <laughs> she, I think she thought that maybe... Ellie, you had a different language arts teacher and thought maybe that Ryan might have came a little bit later. Uh, Yeah, I think I did have a different teacher, but I had a fish for a science project and she kept it for me. Okay, she kept it alive. Oh, awesome. Okay, All right. So who was your favorite teacher at Hayworth High School? Mm, That's tough. (laughs) I I told Miss Bonner that would probably be the toughest question that I'd ask. 
there's high school. I would, cause I had Miss Bonner in eighth grade, but I'd say high school was Miss Bremer. She was our language arts teacher. And she always made sure that she, she made learning very fun. I would say she was probably the best high school teacher I've had. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably Miss Campbell. Okay. Miss Campbell. She was our chemistry teacher. Uh, she actually moved from Hayworth, but oh, okay. I really enjoyed her classes. She oh. made them fun. All right. Segment one is for the educational and occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by asking our guests to introduce themselves. So if you would, Tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, what college you are attending, and give us a summary of your academic career thus far and what you plan to do after this year. Let's begin with you, Ellie. Okay, so I was born and raised in Hayworth. I lived there up until I left Heartland in 2018. So I went there straight out of high school um, and then changed my major to criminology. And then I transferred over to Indiana State here in Terre Haute. Like I said earlier, I'm about to graduate in December. So we're right at the tail end of that. But while I've been here, I've, I've got a professor in the College of Criminology here who's been really helpful with a lot of that stuff. Um, we did like mock interviews with the IRS and a bunch of agencies around here. We did Project Adrian. That was really cool. They brought in IRS agents and they set up this scavenger hunt type of thing for us to do where we solved a case and actually got to like handcuff somebody at the end and do all the steps throughout that. So that was really cool. I started my internship in August with Gibalt Children's Services. It's court-mandated therapy-based treatment. It's a residential facility uh, just down south from where I live. And I think once I graduate, I'm actually going to stay here for a little bit and keep working with them because I do really enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would, actually. Awesome. Right. And then I, too, was born and raised in Hayworth, Illinois, the great metropolitan <laughs> area. <laughs> uh, I attended Hayworth High School. Um, and then same as Ellie, I went to Heartland Community College as soon as I graduated. Um, now I'm at Illinois State, uh, transferred very easily, very smooth process with the connection they have with Heartland, uh, staying with criminal justice, um, which I noticed a lot of people changed as soon as they went to ISU, but I stuck with it. And then I am currently vice president for the Criminal Justice Association, um, treasurer for Alpha Phi Sigma. I've been able to do like independent research uh, and I got to do my internship with the McLean County Probation Department. <laughs> got to have Mr. Bingham overseeing everything I do. And uh, I'm going to be going to graduate school through Michigan State University. Career wise, right now, I'm just trying to kind of take it a step at a time because uh, I know plans can change. But I've actually really enjoyed doing research. Um, so I'd like to kind of see where that goes, the reading and writing part and then just kind of figuring stuff out has been really fun. So I'm going to see how far I can take that. Awesome. As Ryan, I knew that you had gotten accepted into Michigan State for grad school. And so I thought that I would ask this question. I, I, I want to give Ellie a stab at it first, though, Ryan. Michigan State, Indiana State. Ryan might know where I'm going already. But I'm wondering if Ellie knows. Because the first thing I told Ellie, I told Ryan, soon as you get to Michigan State, you got to take a picture in front of this statue that's outside the basketball arena. So I'm putting the question to you, Ellie Latrell. Mm -hmm. 1979, two basketball players in the NCAA championship changed the face of the NCAA 
basketball arena. And then once they got to the NBA, they changed the face of the NBA. One of the players was from Michigan State, and one of them was from Indiana State. Who are those two players? I can't speak for Michigan State, but I'm assuming you're talking about Larry Bird. Because we do have a statue of him right outside of our basketball arena. Awesome. Okay. Very good. And Ryan, who was the other player? Magic Johnson. And I am always going to side with Magic Johnson. (laughs) It would be a lie if I said their basketball program didn't have a lot to do with my decision (laughs) going over there. That's right, because I think you said that now you have to like Draymond Green, right? Yep. (laughs) Exactly. I gotta let bygones be bygones. I couldn't resist. I had to get that one in, guys. Okay. Segment two, constitutional right. As emerging adults who grew up in a small town in the Midwest, what is your favorite constitutional right? Let's begin with you, Ryan. So this one, uh, Mr. Bam, I think you'll be able to attest to this because a lot of the clients at the probation uh, department don't use this enough. The Fifth Amendment right (laughs) for protection of self-incrimination I tell you what, if I get in trouble for anything, even if I don't do it, I'm not talking. <laughs> I, I'm getting an attorney right away, even if I'm innocent. And some of these people do the crime and they talk about it. And I'm like, you couldn't have waited just a little bit longer. So I'd say Fifth Amendment. <laughs> Very good. OK, Ellie. That was one of them that I was going to use. Ryan okay. already touched on that. So let's go with the First Amendment. Speech, uh, religion, press, petition, assembly. And I think that's been pretty important, especially recently, like with all the ways that people can get confused by what someone else is saying. I think that's just a big one, major one. Everyone knows about it. Everyone uses it. All right. Question. Defunding the police doesn't mean people are going to be allowed to rob, shoot, kill, or steal other people's things. People argue that we need more natural police, so to speak. For example, homelessness. Homelessness has to do with poverty, mental health issues, lack of affordable housing, and addiction issues. Wouldn't it be more reasonable to give more money to low-income housing, mental health services, and treatment centers? Should the police have hundreds of millions of dollars for military equipment? We saw that in Ferguson, right? What if we put $100 million into after-school programs, free lunch programs, job programs, instead of police departments turning into armies? What do you guys think? What's your opinion about that? Um, so I actually think that's a really good idea. I'm writing a paper about that right now, actually, um, how it would be better to addicts into a treatment plan rather than, you know, arresting them and giving them jail time. I th- I just think it's a good idea. I think it should be a priority. Take the legal part of it out because these are people that need help and are afraid to get it because they're scared of the legal aspect of it. All right. Right. Um, for me, so I know one of my best friends, he works over in Indianapolis Police Department, and we had actually had someone who was on the use of force board interviewing him at lunch. I mean, we were sitting there and he had said like he he was definitely an advocate for getting mental health and like workers out in the field with them because he even admitted he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not trained for that. And, you know, he's had obviously the little bit of training. But when it comes down to it, if you have a professional or someone who had, say, 80 hours of academy training on it, it's not going to be the same level. So I do think like reallocating the funds 
uh, in just different ways. I had talked to uh, one of my professors with regarding the academy, maybe making it less militaristic. Because uh, my friend, he got to go home at night and come back. Um, and it was more like a nine to five. And he said a lot of the people reacted better to that. So I think kind of just changing things up a little bit like that, maybe having the longer academies like uh, he had attended uh, could be beneficial. Excellent. What do you guys think about the situation that happened with George Floyd and Derek Chauvin? What did you guys think about the verdict? I think that uh, I think it was the correct verdict uh, at the end of the day, because, you know, even he had had a previous record of using too much force. And even the officers that I've talked to agreed on it because they had even stated people like that make their jobs harder then because then they kind of get labeled in with that. And, you know, being able to kind of remove that person and show that there was a consequence for what happened and what the actions were wrong, uh, what occurred, putting a knee on someone's neck. And that was something that should not have happened. So I think that the the verdict was correct. uh, Him getting sentenced and everything. He took the words Right out of my mouth on that one. I do think that it's kind of setting a standard at this point. This is clearly not the way we should be handling these things. Let's give consequence and let's make sure that we're not just letting things like that slide because they will continue to slide if nothing ever happens. Final segment, being a voice for change. As wonderful Caucasian young people who grew up in Hayworth, Illinois, what say Ellie and Ryan about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? Let's start with you, Ellie. All right. Um, With the Black Lives Matter movement, I think that that was a good start, but I saw it dying off and there was a bunch of chaos and commotion and things like that going. It needs to be consistent. We should still be seeing it. It's an important thing, and it's not just in regards to, like, law enforcement and any of that. It's it's in every aspect. I think it should be seen and heard, and people should be talking about it more, just like we were when the George Floyd incident was happening. Like, it should have gone past that, if that makes any sense. Awesome. That's an important thing. And it's honestly a little upsetting that people aren't still making those posts every day. Like, something doesn't have to be happening for it to be shouted out. Okay. The white supremacy. I don't have a whole lot to say. I don't understand it. It doesn't compute in my brain how a person with one skin color can just claim to be superior than somebody else who looks different than them. Like the way you look doesn't change your anatomy. Awesome. It doesn't change the way your brain's wired. It doesn't make any part of you better. So I don't know. I just don't even know what to say about it because I can't even process it or understand why people think that. Okay. Right. I would say I was pretty fortunate growing up because I grew up in Hayworth. Um, But also my grandma, she helped raise me, my grandparents in the summer. And that was over by the St. Louis area in Belleville. So I got I got to be exposed to more walks of life um, at a pretty young age. And that was around the time where, you know, when Ferguson happened, I was kind of a teenager. So I was starting to understand more differences. And I, I would kind of wonder, okay, so why are things different when I'm here? The narrative with when I'm talking to people. But then when I go back to Hayworth, it's something completely different. In the St. Louis area, the Black Lives Matter movement, I would say, was more viewed in a positive light. 
Um, obviously there was the uproar with everything, but then when you would go to Hayworth, um, the narrative would change completely. And for me, I always kind of believed what I heard in St. Louis because I'm like, well, the people who are, who are arguing against it in Hayworth are white. So whose word am I going to take of about what this movement means? The people who are actually experiencing it or the people who are seeing it from afar. Um, so that's when I really valued, I think more so the narrative is it, it got changed. I think a lot when obviously I think the George Floyd incident blew a lot of emotions. Um, but I think some people lost the real meaning of it when everything transpired because it turned into just a political war and it was more, it was about human life and human value. And black lives matter was about making sure like equality and everything. And I think people just use it. Like Ellie said, they lost kind of the meaning, just use it as a political agenda. And it's, it's not supposed to combat anything. It's supposed to be. So there's equality, not, not fighting. It's supposed to promote positivity. This is random, but it's like Mother Teresa. She had said a thing like, I'll never attend an, uh, an anti-war campaign, but I'll attend a pro-peace. Okay. Um, people kind of turned it into an anti-this. And it's like, well, it's it's not an anti, it's, it's pro. It's pro-equality. It's pro just more of a positive thing than say what a small town, I feel like Hayworth kind of, a lot of the people there just blew it into something different. And I think with like white supremacy, it's important to understand that as time goes on, as we're in 2021, it takes different shapes and it has a different thing where before maybe it was KKK, things like that with, and it was very blatant. Well, I know Ellie can attest to this growing up. We saw rebel flags everywhere. It was very common to think that I remember in sixth grade, a kid drawing a rebel flag on his coloring box and not really knowing what it is. I mean, it's, it's sad because it's it's a very outdated kind of ideology of that. And it it instills hatred, which isn't a positive thing at all. But I think it's important to understand that as we as time goes on, it's it's not gone. It's just in a different shape. And it's important that you recognize it. And like Ellie said, keep using your voice to make a positive change. Awesome. Excellent. All right. And finally, guys, I asked all my guests. What would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? I think I speak for a lot of people when I say um, we're still crossing our fingers for this student loan debt to be wiped out. At least a portion (laughs) of it, right? Okay. (laughs) Uh, But also the climate change factor and his plan to start using more clean energy. And he said something about by 2050 at the latest, there's going to be a zero waste uh, thing going on here. I hope that's true. I really do, because it's not I don't think it's a hoax. I really I don't think that it's a hoax anymore. Okay, Ryan, I know that obviously politicians say what you want to hear (laughs) during election season, but when Biden talked about drug court, that really sparked my interest because I was like, okay, how are we going to combat this, the addictions, everything going on? And uh, haven't really heard too much about drug courts um, since then. And one thing that really stood out af- after my internship, Mr. Bigham, I know you can attest this. The people working on those drug courts aren't making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, adding the funding. Uh, towards those drug courts, assisting those who are addicted, finding the resources, 
And uh, I would say a salary is needed. That's a little bit more for that, because if you want the people who genuinely care, you also want to make sure that they have a good wage and can help out these addicts because it is a 24 seven job supervising those clients. So adding on to that drug court would be a, a good move. Excellent. Awesome. Last question. What do you guys think about the insurrection of the ca- <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> don't, don't even trip, Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. I don't care who I make. <laughs> that was irrational, childish. I, I should be more professional with this, but it was, again, one thing that stood out to me of how this was different was you see someone who's holding a thin blue line flag and then proceeding to beat down police officers to storm the Capitol. And it just goes to show how that individual in itself who's performing that act is tarnishing any mean that that flag could mean to someone who's a wife, a son, a daughter, brother, to an officer who maybe was killed in the line of act. But instead, this person who is holding this flag, because when I saw that, that image of a guy holding a thin blue line flag, beating a police officer, To me, it didn't represent someone who cared about a police officer. Clearly, it represented someone who was trying to defend the acts that happened against George Floyd and that happened against other people, because you obviously aren't representing police officers by doing this. And uh, it's sickening. I like I I really thought it was a horrible thing that happened and it was a horrible representation of a reaction. Okay, Ellie, do you like the fact that people are actually being prosecuted? I think like 650 people have actually been charged with a criminal offense and are eventually going to be prosecuted as a result of that. Uh, the one guy, I, I forget his name, his name escapes me, the guy that had the horns, he actually got <laughs> he actually got sentenced to like three years in prison. We'll let you weigh in on it, Ellie. I think it's entirely fair. They knew what they were getting into. They made the conscious decision to do what they did and to not expect a consequence from that is ludicrous to me. I think it's well-deserved. Like, what switch was flipped in your brain to think, this is appropriate, this will make a point, when really it just caused more issue? So I, I do think it was fair. Okay. All right. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pathways to a Successful Academic College Career, The Importance of Your Constitutional Rights, and What Needs to Be Changed to Make America Great. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and God speed.